This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about plums. Yay! <laughs> Uh, is this is this like our our post Thanksgiving episode? No, this is pre Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah, and I mean we are taping this on Labor Day. We're 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 getting a little a bit ahead of ourselves. Yeah, because I think we also have pears coming up. Maybe uh, I think yeah. we're going to complete the Prunus trifecta. Yeah, this episode is going to air after fresh plum season is over. Mm. But you know what? It's just going to give you so much to look forward to. But you know, it's always fresh print season. That's true. Um, We're eating a plum cake, by the way. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I've got some stuff to say about plums. Okay, should we go down memory lane? Mm-hmm. Mo Weisenberg, creator of Altoids, was not just an endive man. He was also a plum man. You think if we repeat this Altoids lie enough times, people <laughs> will believe it? I hope somebody's put it on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think of my dad as loving plums. And I don't just think of him this way. He was this way. <laughs> And he's not here to dispute it. Are you sure this isn't one of those those uh, flashbulb memories that's uh, particularly prone to uh, to like incorrect? Re- well, nobody will ever pipe up to prove me wrong because I don't think my half siblings listen to this show. Right, and also, and, and also, um, <laughs> I mean, and my dad's dead. No, also, no, no one cares. That's true. <laughs> uh, let's spread a whole bunch of lies about my dad and plums. Okay, let's do it. No, but anyway, really, I remember my dad introducing me to like the joys of eating a black plum. Mm-hmm. I just remember th- this being like. You know, he like really got a lot of pleasure out of like introducing his kid to things he thought were delicious. Oh, I hate doing that. Yeah. So anyway, black plums, I remember uh, eating with him. And it's interesting. I was in the grocery store with June the other day and she saw black plums and she um, she really was curious about what color they are inside. That was a fun thing to try to describe. I mean, aren't they sometimes kind of like like dark and rosy and sometimes more yellowish? It's almost like a sunset in there. It's, it is it is kind of like a sunset in there. You're right. I know. Wow. Anyway, I, I've always 
really enjoyed plums. That said, I don't buy them or eat them very much. <laughs> I don't buy this whole plum thing. I um I always make plum jam. I do it every fall. I always make like a plum cake and uh, occasionally I've made a plum crumble. A plumble. A plumble. We call it. Okay, what about you? What about your um, memory lane? So wait, I wanna I wanna like be able to visualize a little more the scene of like where your your dad is introducing you to to dark plum black plums. Well, like did he have them in a bag and he like pulled it out of the bag with a flourish? Oh god, you sound like me trying to teach writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like what what so are the you, telling can you set details the scene here? I mean like what do you think he would have said? <laughs> can we get some dialogue here? So we only had Safeway. Mm-hmm. Safeway was our nearby grocery store then sure. it was called Homeland. I'm pretty sure that he bought these plums at Homeland. Mhm. And I think he probably brought them home and introduced them to me. And my dad would bite into the plum as opposed to cutting it up. Before handing it to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Okay. I definitely ate plums as a kid. I don't have much plum memory lane. Um, but I do, I do remember like as a kid, like the sort of the feeling of like dragging the skin off of the plum with your teeth. Mm, mm -hmm, Um, and, mm -hmm. and that they were. They were like denser than a peach, but not as dense as an apricot. What color plums would you have? They, like they red would ones, be dark, black dark skin. plums with a with a sunset on the inside. I don't really remember red red plums from being a kid. Do you remember the, At the advent, same time though? The advent of like pluots. I remember advent calendars. Do you remember like like the dinosaur pluot? Like, do you remember when those came I on do. the scene? I feel like we were already adults by mm-hmm. then. I mean, not mm-hmm. mature adults. No, I mean. Let's be real. Um, but yes, I do. I do remember when pluots appear, and those are good. Like, I, yeah. I, like have pluots? Like, has the pluot trend kind of peaked? Because I don't think about pluots anymore. I but do they not are still think tasty, about pluots. Right? I, I feel bad for whoever's in charge of marketing pluots because they're failing. I also, I also remember <clears> that before there were pluots, there were plum cots, which I think is like a different hybrid. And and I, when pluots came out, I'm I like. Did they just like drop some characters from Plumcot and make it harder to say? Because like I feel like Plumcot is more fun to say than Pluot, which like I feel like my mouth sort of just yeah, but Pluot in the middle. Pluot is where like like Pluot for me is what comes first to mind. Not I think they're better. Plum yeah. Plumclots. So, yeah, when they call them, tried to call them Plumclots, that was a real <laughs> uh, bad move in in the marketing department. <laughs> okay, so yes, anyway. I ate them as a kid, like. I feel like there are a bunch of fruits that I ate as a kid because my parents told me to eat a piece of fruit that I, I don't like eat fruit very much anymore. As a kid, I still I like I love fruit. I, I mean, want to be a fruit person. I am just not. I love fruit so much. In the summer, it's the first thing I eat each day, like I, a ripe nectarine and my cup of coffee. Can you teach me how to be more I, like you? I mean, you? you're you're doing just fine. Okay. You're doing just fine. But um, yeah, as a kid, I remember thinking like I don't understand what this category of food is and why people eat it. Like I, I, I'm worried that we've like gone past the the cliff of like all of the foods that I like eat and have an opinion about. Oh, and so now- the rest of all our episodes, however many we have in the future, will all be foods where Matthew's like, eh. Yeah. Having said that, I do like this plum cake and I did some plum research. Great. Tell me all about it. Okay. So we are back to genus Prunus. These are very closely related to peaches, apricots, nectarines, mm-hmm. cherries, mm-hmm. and the like. And some of this is going to be uh, very familiar if you listen to our apricot episode, because like an apricot, a plum is a stone fruit or droop. 
which is a fleshy fruit that surrounds a single armored seed. Oh, that's like me. Your <laughs> voice just <laughs> what 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 is your what is well, your I'm a, I'm armored a fl- seed? I'm a fleshy fruit. Yeah, and my armored seed is. Is it just is it just like your your backbone? It's my black heart. Okay. But but inside, no, it's my. What else would it be? Well, it's my ovaries. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there, I've got two once, of them. Right, once we eat both of them, <laughs> then we'll have to find a new victim. I guess, I guess. so. Okay, <laughs> like I was talking to to um, teenager of the show December about uh, how much I love a villain where where like <laughs> an overeating villain right, where where the villain is just evil because they want to do one really dumb evil thing that everyone in the world can agree is evil. Like Cruella Deville is kind of my favorite villain because all she <laughs> wants to do is make a coat out of puppies. <laughs> so and and Hannibal Lecter is kind of the thing. Like he just wants to eat people. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so God, easy to understand. What is it like to be so single-minded <laughs> right. in your so life? If you, if you're just like, like if you're if you're just the ovary muncher, like <laughs> you could probably get a whole HBO series out of that, I'm, right? I think there's probably already been an <laughs> HBO series. Is. I think it's called Porn. <laughs> I I'm, okay. Wait, wait. Let's pause here. Is there a genre of porn where you just kind of go so deep, ovary that, munching, that, that you that you're like, I it's can... a real subset of lesbian porn. Okay, because because that's that's where where my luckily where my mind went. Also, like I quickly like we did a 180 from like a horror movie to to like something very sensual. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 go on. So a plum is a droop, like you. Um, and mature plums usually have a natural waxy coating. Oh, is that natural? It always feels so weird and gross. Okay, well, I mean, a plum, I, I don't know if plums are given like an artificial wax coating, which many fruits are. Mm-hmm. But like when, when you go to the farmer's market, you'll see like blushy, ashy plums. And that is a natural wax. So June and I were at PCC recently. And you can, you know, kids can get, pick out like a, a free piece of fruit. Right. And she picked out a red plum and hers was so waxy and she was like completely undeterred by it. Like didn't even seem to notice that this plum felt like it had been, I don't know, rolled in somebody's pot of chapstick. Like it fell into a vat at the Yankee Candle factory. It was disgusting. And June loved it. I don't know. Like if I had to guess, I would say PCC probably has a policy against waxing fruits, but I don't know. Like I guess there are some fruits that would just like immediately. Maybe that was epic cuticular wax i it might have been that that's what it's called so it's it's the wax that surrounds the cuticle of the plant will you will you pronounce it epicuticular wax wow that's tough okay Um, go on and lots of different plants make it so but i mean i like that look of like a dark plum that has like that silvery gray blush well i think of that particularly on um prune plums or italian plums which we're going to talk about quite a bit great go on and, okay, so unlike the peach and nectarine, which is always prunus persica, but like the apricot, we eat several distinct species of plums, all of which are in the prunus genus. And plums are fairly diverse. Yeah. 
genus. Yeah. Um, so many of the plums we eat, including the prune plum, uh, your your dad's favorite black plums, green gauges, damsons. Oh, they damsons all, being the tiny little ones. Right. Those okay. are all prunus domestica. And, and none, of, none of the plums that we eat are very similar to wild plums. Like, they're all heavily domesticated. Okay. Uh, prunus uh, salicina is okay. native to China. And my impression, although I am not positive, is that when you see, like, the really small round plums, uh, like at the farmer's market, that those tend to be this species. Is that, like, mare farm? Taki oh, ones? I wanted to talk about Mirror Farm Taki. Do you want to okay. jump in? Um, well, you you might know more about it than I do, but um, I mean, I interviewed Taki uh, a while back. Well, a w- long while back. He is a, a grower in Washington, Western Washington. Yeah, uh, growing in particular a wide variety of plums. Yeah. I mean, Mare Farm Taki is, is a real, like, state treasure. Oh, big time. I mean, he is growing things that no one else grows for yeah, hundreds grows of miles fresh around. ginger, like all mm-hmm. kinds of, of uh, Japanese and other Asian vegetables. Oh, but also the best just Japanese cucumbers. Yes, an incredible profusion of plums. Okay. Um, um, and also, he uh, grows, I believe, all the fruit used by Ayako and family yes, yeah, to, make, right. to make their jams. Okay, so uh, that that is uh, really like a uh, a wonderful local ecosystem. It really is. Uh, so there's lots of different plum trees. Some are grown for fruit. Some are for ornamental blossoms. Like plum blossoms are really big in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and plums have been cultivated by humans for a really long time, <laughs> like uh, thousands of years. And I was very pleased to see on the Wikipedia page for plums that listener Ken Albala is mentioned. <gasps> Uh, and I not exactly quoted, but it says, according to Ken Albala, plums originated in Iran and were brought to Britain from Asia. Okay. Um, and uh, if you want to know more about the botany of plums, it's all exactly the same as apricots. So see episode 505. Great. All right. So um, I understand we might have a visit from Mr. Etymology today. Oh, who's that coming through the door? I am Mr. Etymology. Do you remember the theme song? Um, words, words, words. <laughs> and then you whisper Mr. Etymology. Mr. Etymology. So, the word plum is a doublet of the word prune. What does that mean? I was not familiar with the term doublet, although it's, it sounds like some sort of uh, archaic like garment, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it does. Well, no, but sure. I mean, yes, is, it, is it like a singlet something? Well, yes, uh, that's a like a, what you wear when you're wrestling. Right, so, I if mean, a, so you, a doublet especially. would be if you wear two of those, okay. right? Yes, <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm wrestling, I always double during up. Co- on my, during COVID times, you should you definitely, should definitely wear if you're going to wrestle, you should double up on your singlet and wear a doublet. <laughs> um, a doublet is when two words in a language come from the same etymological root via different paths. I was hoping to to come up with like the full story on how this happened for plum and prune, and I didn't really find both of the paths, but. The original word in Latin was prunum, which became pluma in Proto-Germanic, and plume in Old English. But the word prune at the same time was retained uh, and referred to both a plum that can be dried without spoiling and the dried plum itself, of course. So hmm. this this word like bifurcated, the word in Latin bifurcated and came into English twice as two different words that mean kind of the same thing and sound kind of the same. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I mean, not really. I but... think it. I'm I'm Mr. Etymology this week, and I think it is interesting. Okay. Okay. So, have you noticed the increase in? <laughs> maybe we talked about this on the prune episode. 
which well, was the a million years ago. The preemptive was like 400 ago. episodes ago, literally. Um, do you remember us discussing how they increasingly call prunes dried plums? And yeah. I, I find this sad, as though prunes were not but delicious um, sounding. Okay, couple things about that. First of all, okay. um I came when I was thinking about this last night, um I came up with a great slogan for dried plums, oh, which good. is dried plums, have you tried some? Hmm. Okay. It's a great slogan. Okay. And, um, <laughs> but I think they failed in the in the dried plum effort. I mean, I think they got a lot of press at the time when they announced prunes are now dried plums. We're going to try and make this happen. But they didn't make it happen. Like no. nobody calls them dried plums. Everyone still calls them prunes and it's fine. Yeah. Right? No, no. It's, it's great. Everything's um, great. I, I mean, I do think we talked about that in like 2013 when we did the prune episode. And now like it, Nothing it's clear that – Well, I mean – I think maybe at the time it seemed like like you could still find like a, a, a package that said dried plums on it, but I don't think anymore. Oh, Hang on. I for sure think. Oh, wow. Matthew is consulting the closet. Okay, so that's called the root cellar, and I've got I got a Kroger prunes package here, and uh, you're right, it does say dried plums in tiny print under the word prunes, which is giant. Okay. So, so fair no, enough. Yeah, okay. no. I, I was okay. I was thinking it wouldn't be there at all. So, so I guess we're like ninety percent of the way to killing the dry, the word term dried plums. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let's forge onward for that final ten percent. All right. So, um, plums are a fairly popular fruit, and uh, this got me and uh, wife of the show Lori into a serious discussion about like what determines whether something is a popular fruit. Is it like whether people eat it out of hand a lot or whether we grow a lot of it? Because those are very different questions. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the two most popular fruits in terms of total cultivation, if you're wondering, are bananas and watermelons. Hmm. Really? Yeah. That's very interesting. And and Lori said, well, of course, watermelons, they're really heavy. And I'm like, that doesn't I mean they necessarily mean they're popular. Wait, wait, wait. Was Lori thinking that, like, if we're going by total weight, like mass produced, um, like mass yeah. of total. I, I ma- said mass and, and she made fun of me for saying mass instead of weight. Fine. <laughs> So you, now, now I'm going to pass that on. God, I really love your pillow talk. Yeah, this was this was all uh, on in, the pillows. I was all on the pillows. Yeah, we made a big pillow fort <laughs> for this conversation. <laughs> Go on. Um. So okay. So plums are uh, less less grown than papayas, but more than strawberries. Okay. Uh, which which surprised me because strawberries are seem like a very popular fruit, right? They do. They but do. I think the thing about strawberries is. Like, they're less likely to be dried or made into brandy, which plums are very likely to do. What are bananas likely to be done with? I think... What's likely to be done with bananas? What is likely to be done with bananas? Because I think that the first thought was maybe bananas are, like, combined with plantains, and and it's, like, a staple food. But no, plantains are listed separately in the list that I found. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think people just eat a lot of bananas. Wow. Somebody out there is eating my share. Because I, I don't eat a lot of bananas. I do like bananas. I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I'm doing my part. I don't know like what what like the the you know per capita consumption of bananas or plums is for that matter. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so a lot of plums are used to make slivovits and mm. similar brandies in Eastern Europe. I remember mm. when I was a kid, Memory Lane. It's back. Okay. It uh, just reopened. Okay. Um, it's going to be shut down again in just a minute. Though. <laughs> okay. Uh, when I was a kid, every Christmas, my dad, uh, my mom would get my dad a bottle of Christmas booze, and she would always pick something interesting. And one, I remember one one year, it was a sliv of its, and I, I would always get a taste. Christmas booze. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I sort of even remember what it tasted like. 
what was it like? Was there um, anything plummy about it? Yeah, there there was. Like so, I mean, it was a pretty strong brandy. Um, with so so like it most you know because I was a kid, it mostly tasted like alcohol, but like with some lingering plum flavor. Huh? Have you ever had Vieille Prune? No, I've oh, heard of it. That is that tastes like grandma's armoire, and it's <laughs> delicious. But I thought grandma's armoire was a type of variety of apple. Uh, <laughs> no, tomato. Sorry. No, that was grandma's recliner. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, oh, Vieille Prune is delicious. It's really good, and I think I've had it twice in my life. Okay, and we should, never I, I want to try it sometime. I think it's probably going to be really expensive okay. if we can find it. Yeah, but maybe we say, can go in on it together and give it to each other. Let's as give a, it to each other <laughs> as a Christmas booze. Okay, all right. Okay. Christmas is coming up soon. Yeah. By the time you hear this episode, it'll be quite soon. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I had a question. This is another thing that uh, we were wondering about during Plum Pillow Talk. Okay. I mean, first of all, like, what do you and your spouse talk about during Plum Pillow Talk? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see here. Oh, last night I told my spouse about <laughs> the bonus episode you and I taped yesterday. And oh, yeah. I was retelling jokes, which is <laughs> I, always a successful yeah, pillow yeah, talk my strategy. Spouse loves that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. You want to hear? You want to hear a joke I made earlier today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a good episode. I think it is too. I we were talking about the parachuting part of it. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know what we're talking about, become a, a subscriber. You know, a, like a monthly donation subscriber yep. to the show. Become a monthly donation subscriber. <laughs> Spilledmilkpodcast.com slash donate. We claimed that we only we only bug you about this once a year, but it turned out we lied. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Go on, Matthew. <laughs> All right. So, oh, my qu actual question was, and I don't know the answer to this, like right now it is plum season. It's like yeah. late summer, yeah. fall. And so you can get plums at the supermarket. Do they have like out of season? Do they have like oh, year yeah. round plums at the oh, supermarket? Yeah. Okay. And it tends to be the more obvious varieties, black plums, yeah. sometimes a red plum okay. here and there. Yeah. 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 All right. But you definitely can't get uh, my favorite plum, which is the prune plum. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about that because that is the plum that grows most widely in Seattle where, yeah. this, where this episode is being recorded. You know, I, I think that, so, so actually this month, Matthew, no, sorry, this month when we're taping this, right. so last September yeah. for our listeners, uh, marked my 19th anniversary of moving to Seattle. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I have become so accustomed to the like ready availability of prune plums 
in September in Seattle that I forget that prior to living here, I don't think I'd ever encountered a prune plum. Yeah, uh, wife of the show, Lori, brought me one from uh, from Silots W's uh, backyard plum tree. This afternoon, might, I'm driving might be front, front yard. This afternoon, I'm driving to a friend's house uh, specifically to take some of her plums. That's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, with her permission, with her oh, no, no, blessing. No, don't, don't, don't tell her. No, no, she'll be thrilled. <laughs> yeah, no, because it's, it's, as everyone knows, people who have plum trees have a real love hate relationship with their plum trees. Uh, yeah, friend of the show Rebecca Dan wrote an article recently for the Seattle Times, which we'll link to about Italian prune plums, and uh, and she starts off by writing, "You've heard the apocryphal late summer joke where neighbors neighbors drop a ba- drop a bag of zucchini on the porch, ring the doorbell, and run away. Here in Seattle, we'd substitute Italian plums. Yeah, because the thing is, is when they fall on the ground, they make a total mess. Yeah, no, this is I learned that that like the the city uh, discourages like the planting of fruit trees like over the right of way so that because it gets gross really fast. Yes. So anyway, yeah, pr- uh, prune plums around here uh, are a very common plum. But I, yeah, I, I thought that they were something very special when I first encountered them. And, I mean, and they kind of still are, I think. Like, they're very they're very attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're the ones you often see on a package of prunes. Yeah, which would um, make sense because that's probably what they're, they're made from. small oblong dark purple plums. They're kind of ovary shaped. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you're an ovary muncher, you would know. And um, anyway, they are, they are definitely a type of plum that you will see that kind of dusty skin on. Uh, They're gorgeous. I think they are most delicious when they still have a bit of crunch to them. I don't like them when they get too soft. Yeah, I think that's true. Whereas like a black plum, I want it to be pretty like, drippy and gooey. Yeah. I like the particular, the tartness of a, a prune plum is, in my opinion, almost never as tart as like an unripe black plum. Yeah, that, I think that's true. And so I like a prune plum on the tart end of the prune plum tartness scale. Okay, so in the in Rebecca Den's article, she talks a lot about Marion Burroughs' plum tort, which mm-hmm. apparently is a famous recipe that I had never heard of. I have made it a million times okay, great. and wrote about it on ye old blog back in ye old 2005s or 6s. That's okay. So so this is a favorite of yours as well. It it was a favorite of mine. I haven't made it <laughs> until what? No, I haven't made it in years. I feel like it is always delicious. Somehow, like when somebody else makes it for you and you haven't had it in a whole year. I prefer, however, a plum cake like the one you've made today, which involves a bit of almond flavor. Yeah, and the the creator of this recipe, which was made by Wife of the Show Lori from uh, Yossi Arifi's Snacking Cakes book, um, the recipe is Almondy Plum Cake, and she says it's inspired by the Marion Burroughs recipe, but it has um, it's. I mean, it's called does, almondy plum cake. Does it have almond extract or almond paste or both? It is made with almond extract and it calls for sliced almonds on top. And I think uh, Lori said that she tried it with, with sliced almonds and they, and they kind of got soggy quickly. Yeah, I think I don't care about sliced almonds. I ever. think I don't I don't either. Like I don't, I don't want them. Like both of the both of the commercial, the slivered almonds and the sliced almonds, like I don't really go in for either of those. Yeah, I, I don't, don't understand. Them. But I do like almonds in baking a lot. Yes, me too. Me too. Um, anyway, I think this recipe that Lori made uh, is 
delicious. And I think it's I, really good. Yeah. I prefer it over the Marion Burroughs one, which to me just gets like the cake part of the Marion Burroughs one isn't that special. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, it, it, it is I'm, still, I feel like I must have had it at some Oh, point. you've definitely had it. I mean, there were years, like, when I first learned about it and started making it, I thought that it was a total revelation. And now I feel a bit more critical, want it, just wanting the cake to do more. Do you, do you think it's just that you're getting old and crotchety? I am. Yeah. I definitely am. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I did notice when you Google plum recipes, which I did for this for while researching this episode, um, people also ask, what do I do with all these plums? A legit question. Do you make plum jam? I do. I do. I make my uh, I take my usual jam formula, which is one kilo of fruit okay. to 500 grams, between 400 and 500 grams of sugar. And the juice of half a lemon. Okay. And I mix that all up and let it sit for like two hours and macerate. Mm -hmm. And then I cook it until it starts to gel or passes like, you know, the, the freezer test. Is that where you like? You put a, I put a saucer in the freezer so it gets really cold. And then when the oh. jam starts to be setting a bit, I take out that super cold saucer and dribble a little bit of jam on it. And, and then if you can peel it off like a sunburn. No. And if the saucer, so the saucer cools the jam down right. instantly, right? And then if you can drag your finger through it and leave a clean oh, trail, nice. it's set. There are many, many books out there about making jam. A really great website called Food in Jars. Yeah. So is that Marissa McClellan? It is. Yeah. If, if you want to make jam, definitely, you know, uh, read up on the basics of canning, et cetera. But I make uh, plum jam from Italian prune plums every summer just using this simple formula. And it is my kids' favorite jam. Have you done it yet this year? I haven't. I'm going to get the plums today. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. You're going to go go uh, plunder. I'm going to go plunder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you made like a plum cobbler. I have made a plum crisp, not okay. a cobbler. Yeah, that that sort of seems more correct somehow, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I want the nubble or the oak yeah. flavor, maybe. Yeah, I want the nubble. Yeah, I want the nubble. Um, plum pudding. I was wondering what is plum pudding, and it's oh, uh, it's it's one of those English steamed puddings. It is not necessarily made with with plums. Uh, it's just another name for Christmas pudding, and the plum uh, is uh, used in an archaic sense that just refers to a tasty dried bit. Do you think that that uh, this use of plum has anything to do with like uh, the the like plum as an adjective? Oh, for like like uh, like a plum tuckered out. No, 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 plum like choice. Yes, yes, it does. Okay, what what is the synonym I'm looking for? What is it? Is it choice? Is it uh, like top quality? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think it's choice. I think this, it's choice. Should have maybe been um, like a cousin of Mister. Don't Etymology. worry, Mister. Etymology's cousin is about <laughs> is knocking on the door and is about to come in. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, have you ever had? I mean, I, I bet you have. Right, had one of those those steamed English puddings. I feel like this is a thing. I, I've had it a couple times, and this is this is a thing that is that is beloved by many people in uh, in the UK and really perplexing to most Americans. 
Yeah, we just don't do a lot of steamed puddings here. No. <clears throat> no, we don't do steamed desserts. It, it's something It's something that comes up sometimes on Bake Off and, uh, like, as an American watching, just, like, all these people seem to think what they're doing is totally normal, and we're just like, what is happening in this tent? Spotted Dick is a steamed pudding. Spotted Dick is absolutely a steamed pudding mm-hmm. that's uh, that's dotted with uh, currants. Is that right? I like the idea of a steamed pudding. Maybe I'll try a plum pudding this year, but probably not. Okay, yeah, I, I, if I had to bet like Vegas odds, I would say you are not going to. I think you're right. <laughs> okay, do you, uh, next question. Do you know what a plum bob is? Is it uh, does it have to do with a plum line uh-huh. and is there something that floats up on top of the surface of water? No, that's uh, that's sort of the opposite of a plum bob. A plum bob is in air and you are it has it's a string with a weight at the end in order to establish a vertical line. Yes. Um, so Mr. Etymology's cousin is here. Okay. Um, Mr. Etymology's cousin's <laughs> name on. is... Oh, come in. <laughs> Hi, I'm... Uh, you, no, were, you, you were going to come up with the name. This is this is a new a new style of improv where, where you say hi. I mean, I have to come up with your name. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. Jill, me, Jill etymology. No, it's not etymology. What, what is it? A, a dictionary? No. Oh, oh, okay, Jill dictionary. <laughs> Spotted dictionary. Hold on. Okay, come in. Hi. <laughs> your your Jill dictionary. No, I'm Spotted Dictionary. You're Spotted Dictionary. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Spotted Dictionary. Let's talk about the word plum with a B and how it's related or unrelated to plum okay. without a B. Yeah. Tell me all about it. Okay. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> your Spotted Dictionary. Why am I telling the dictionary because about words? Because you didn't write it on the agenda and I don't know what the answer is. Okay. Let's, let's, okay. This time I'm going to knock. <laughs> Who's there? It's, it's Spotted Dictionary. <laughs> I'm here to tell you more about words. Oh, good. You may know my cousin, Mr. Etymology. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're both going to be staying at your house indefinitely. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Come on in. All right. So the word plum with a B, like as in plum tuckered out or plumbing the depths or plum bob or plum line, comes from uh, plumbum in Latin, Ooh. which is means lead. Because you would use a lead weight for Wait a minute, plumb this, bob. I'm not sure if this is Spotted Dictionary or Mr. Etymology <laughs> This talking. is Spotted Dictionary talking. <laughs> okay. Okay. So p- plumbum. Yeah. Plumbum, which which is, you know, uh, how lead is PB on oh. the uh, periodic table. It's because well, it's, it's for plumbum. And I'm pretty sure that isn't lead in French something like P-L-O-M-B-E or something? Yes. Yeah. How do you say plum like a fruit in French? Uh, pruneau. Pruno, okay. Pruno. Uh, um, Pruno. I'm struggling with my French right now. That's okay. So um, we'll, we'll get uh, uh, Monsieur Etymolo- Etymologie. <laughs> How about Monsieur Le Dictionnaire? Um, uh, Monsieur Dumont. Yes, Monsieur Dumont. Um, there we go. Okay, so this was the thing I thought was cool. It has absolutely nothing to do with plums of the fruit. But uh, so like the plumb line is used for establishing that something is perfectly vertical. So like like on the nose, like on the dot, like you nailed it, right? Okay. So from that meaning, which came from the, the lead weight that you would use to establish the vertical line, mm-hmm. then we get plum as in like that's, that's plum terrific or like I'm plum tuckered out, like like completely, totally perfect, like perfectly on the mark. And also from there, we get the word a plum, which yes. means the same thing, just kind of pronounced to do a little something differently. like uh, with a plum, with a plum. Yeah. 
Like while holding a plum. Well, yeah, it means to do it while holding a plum. Like if you if you're so good at something <clears> that you can do it while holding a plum in one hand without dropping, you're doing it, it with a plum. You're doing it with a plum. <laughs> yep. All right, and that's it. Oh, great. Okay, that's our plum. I, would you say episode. we've plumbed the depths of I this topic? I would say that we have tackled plums with a plum. Okay. Right, because the Ayako family family uh, preserves like there are many. They have like many different plum oh, yeah. preserves. Oh yeah. There's like uh, I'm thinking of if they've got of course damson plum they've got I think beach plum something plum Is there something like else black plum pearl I think oh black pearl because I think we had that in our fridge for a bit and like I I don't even think of myself as much of a jam person but like every time I would toast something I would go in the fridge like oh this stuff's good I'm gonna use this I know my my own Italian prune plum jam is nowhere near as good as theirs have you seen um, that movie my own private Italian prune plum jam. <laughs> It's time for segments. Let's begin with spilled mail. All right. So listener Rochelle writes in, with autumn upon us, what are your all time favorite but less common soups to make and why? Good question, Rochelle. I, I'm not a huge soup maker. And I don't know if either of my picks is a less common soup. They both feel like pretty common soups to me, but I really like making them and eating them. Uh, so my two are split pea with ham and tortilla soup. Ah, okay. Uh, again, I don't know about the less common thing. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how common my soups are. <laughs> but hands down, uh, my household's favorite soup uh, to eat and my favorite soup to make is the Ed Fretwell soup from my first book, A Homemade Life. It makes a truckload. It freezes beautifully. My child loves it. Everybody loves it. It's a vegetable and bean soup. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ed Fretwell's soup. I also love to make a soup that I wrote about on my blog uh, several years ago. It was a winter squash soup with like coconut milk and sriracha and lime. That sounds good. It's a pureed soup. And recently I have been making it with a little bit of red curry paste in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, And, you know, quite a bit of lime juice. So delicious. I want to make this. Uh, It's really warming. Uh, in your mouth and on, on your body if you spill if you it. Spill. <laughs> and, um, let's see here. Oh, and then I also love to make my sort of my own cobbled together version of uh, the chicken soup from a restaurant here in Seattle called La Carta de Oaxaca. Oh, yes. So it's just their chicken soup. They call it sopa de pollo. That's what I think I called it on my blog mm-hmm. a million years ago. Uh, the recipe was given to me by a wonderful guy named Pedro who used to work at Delancey and whose cousin, I think, owns La Carta de Oaxaca. I should go read my own blog occasionally and be reminded of what I wrote. You should have just been But anyway, yeah, Sopa de Pollo, uh, Ed Fretwell soup, and that winter squash soup that's also somewhere on the blog with coconut milk, sriracha, and lime. Uh, You know what's a less well-known soup, I bet, unless you live in Hungary? Many years ago, we made this soup uh, mostly because we liked the name. Mm -hmm. uh, The recipe was in uh, Fine Cooking Magazine, and it was called Soup of the Baconi Outlaws. Wow. Um, and it is a mushroom, I think a creamy mushroom soup from Hungary that maybe has like some bacon or uh, like salt pork in it. Don't remember the details very well. It was pretty it was pretty intense, like a real like all day cooking uh, challenge to mm-hmm. make it. And it was very tasty. Cool. So that's my recommendation. Soup of the Baconi Outlaws. Great. Matthew. 
Matthew. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, sorry. I, I was still I was still fully in character as um what was it? Jill Dictionary. Spotted, Spotted Dictionary. Dictionary. So Matthew, you you've got now but wow this week. I've got it now, but wow, because mm-hmm. I'm reading a book called Version Zero by David Yoon. And uh, David Yoon writes uh, YA novels, and I've enjoyed both of his previous books, uh, Frankly in Love and Super Fake Love Song. I think I might have recommended Frankly in Love on the show at some point. Anyway, those are both like kind of YA coming of age books. And this his new one, Version Zero, is different. It is still a YA novel, but it's about a guy who works at Facebook, realizes that Facebook is evil and uh, like gets fired for whistleblowing on an evil project they're doing, mm. uh, which uh, so, so far like, Sounds of, sounds very real, realistic. Yes. Um, and but like then it spins wildly out of control in uh, ways that you are not expecting and are really fun and thought provoking. And I'm only a few chapters in, but I'm really excited to pick it back up as soon as we're done recording this episode. Okay. Well, our producer is Abby Circatella. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm. And if you'd like to chat with other people who listen to this show, you can do that on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. Our heart is uh, is like a dried black plum, but inside it's full of blood like a sunset. I'm Molly Weisenberg. <laughs> and I'm... <laughs> I'm Spotted, I Dictionary. Spotted Dictionary. Gosh. Why would that be a hard name to remember? I don't know. You keep saying Jill Dictionary. Like, who the <laughs> heck is that? It's Spotted Dictionary's sister. I'm Molly. And I'm Prunus. Are we all good on our levels? It looks so good. I can't even believe it. They're the best <laughs> levels in the world. Yes. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 